you would grab your Bibles and turn over to uh, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. Now, we all know that uh, when you get put into a new position and you take over and the old guy left, right? Everything gets blamed on your predecessor, okay? So ladies, if you're cold in here on Mother's Day, I am sorry, but my predecessor put a geothermal in this building, all right? And I cannot control the temperature as well. So um, just want you to know, and if you have a problem with how cold it is in here, you can take it up with my predecessor as well as God, because uh, you all would have been sweating to death last week in the building, so... There it is. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying, all right? Uh, it's my job to pass it on to the person before me, see? So, uh, no, I feel bad. I do feel bad. I would love to have it perfectly 68.3 degrees in the building for you all times. I just did not succeed today, all right? Proverbs chapter 31, so I hope you'll forgive me. I hope that doesn't make it so you're feeling down and depressed today, okay? Uh, so hopefully not. Proverbs chapter 31, we're going to read one verse. Uh, for the moment, we will end up reading the rest of the chapter. And I know how much uh, ladies love Proverbs chapter 31. Uh, as you look down the list and you do what every woman does when she looks in a mirror and she says, I don't live up to any of these things. Uh, I am not what I want to be. And uh, that is normally the case for ladies. They are very hard on themselves a lot of times. Uh, but we're going to look over this list and uh, Lord willing, I'm going to do something slightly different for Mother's Day uh, off of this passage. But Proverbs chapter 31 and verse number 10, the Lord asks a great question. Who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies? Uh, the woman who is about to be described for the remainder of the chapter is a woman that the Lord calls virtuous. Uh, that, is, that is something that is high regard and very limited, especially in the world that you and I live in. We live in a world today where the idea of being virtuous, being clean, being pure, being righteous, being holy is looked down upon as something that is awful. The idea that someone would be virtuous and would actually be good and redeeming is taken and just cast aside. And then later, when they want what they want, they try to clean it up and act like it's okay now. Uh, the world today is in this idea and this mentality that if you're a promiscuous woman and you do all these things that you want to do that later somebody's going to take you as something that is amazing still. Uh, by the way, the world's mentality is that if a woman has money and esteem and doesn't really need a man, then of course she is, she is great. When that is truly not how it shows off in the Bible. And you find that most of the time those ladies are not as happy as they would like you to think. Now you can say, well, that's just misogynistic, and that is, okay, you can go ahead with the world's mentality if you like. I don't, not my problem. <laughs> it's really not. I'm not going to change your mind in the next 40 minutes. But the Bible makes this very plain that this is what a virtuous woman is. Now, this is not a virtuous woman that is lazy and doesn't work either. I'm not saying that if you have a job, ladies, that you're terrible. That's obviously not the case, and it's obviously not the case in the passage. Uh, that's obviously not the case. 
I, I am not someone who says, well, if a lady works, then she's totally out of the will of God. That's not my, that's not my place. In fact, that's not even close to my place. <laughs> that's not even close to my own position. So uh, regardless, and I don't believe that's God's position. But the world's mentality is that you must, the, the woman now must be equal to the man in every respect, and that's not the way God set it up. You realize that uh, he asked the question of the man, he says, uh, but a faithful man who can find? He wants a woman to be virtuous, he wants a man to be faithful. Now those are two different things, although they do hold some of the same traits. A good man that is a faithful man is going to be a righteous man and he is going to do what he's supposed to do. That's what makes him faithful. But a faithful man and a virtuous woman are not the same thing. (laughs) And they're not supposed to be. But amazingly enough, and this is where we're going to start moving away from the idea of just a Mother's Day message. So gentlemen, you are not off the hook today. Congratulations. Didn't think I'd be that nice to you, did you? If we're saved in here, you do realize that the Lord has paid a great price for us. The virtuous woman is uh, considered her price being far above rubies. In Matthew chapter 13, he talks about us as the pearl of great price. Uh, We are valued highly in the eyes of God. The church is his bride. He says that we were bought not with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. You get to Ephesians chapter 5, and the church is the picture of the bride at that particular moment. Right? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might present it unto himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. Right? He wants what he wants is a virtuous church. He wants... A man in this life, if he's a good man, you know what he wants? He wants a virtuous bride. That's what he ought to... This chapter here in Proverbs 31 is what the man is supposed to be looking for. That list on a faithful man and what that faithful man is supposed to be, that's what the woman's supposed to be looking for. The job of the man is to live up to being a faithful man and the job of the woman is to try to live up to being a virtuous woman and the two of them hopefully get together and they make a great marriage in the Lord. That's the idea. The idea is that this faithful man finds a virtuous woman and the virtuous woman finds the faithful man and now they have something amazing that the Lord blesses. That's the best picture you can get. We don't live up to it very well. As human beings, gentlemen, we aren't very faithful and ladies, sometimes you're not as virtuous as you'd hope to be. I'm just being honest. As a Christian, you know what we aren't? Some days we're not very faithful and we're not very virtuous. <laughs> All right, can we at least agree on that part? We're not, we're just, we don't live up, but this is what we want to be. You get to the list of the pastorate and who the pastor is supposed to be and what he's supposed to do and how he's supposed to strive, right? That list is a list that we hope to attain. I haven't attained that list. I, I, I apologize if I've let somebody down there. The idea of being given to hospitality isn't always there for me. (laughs) Being apt to teach, not always there. (laughs) Some days you don't want to help anybody. You want to go home and just be done. Amen? Say, well, I mean, that's everybody. That doesn't mean it's not part of the list. (sighs) To be perfectly blameless without anybody ever being able to point at anything you've ever done wrong. I made a mistake this morning. 
All my Sunday school teachers know I made a mistake this morning. Say so why? Because they showed up to their Sunday school room and they picked up the family devotion and they went, this is last week's. He must not have done this week's. And I had copied everything off the way it was supposed to be for last week. I duplicated, handed it to them, and all of them caught it. The only person who didn't catch it was me. That's who didn't catch it. Uh, that's what happens when you stop teaching adults Sunday school. <laughs> you hand it over, you don't remember which lesson you're supposed to be doing. And so I was like, oh, so I had to redo everything. You know what we are? We are, in, we are fallible people. We fail. But what we want to strive for is we want to strive to be exactly who God wants us to be. And Pastor Legault has said it repeatedly. It's a quote that happens repeatedly. Uh, it is low aim, never hit a high mark. Paul makes the comparative that he wants to be perfect. He wants to attain unto Christ in Philippians. That's not a low mark. <laughs> Living like Christ, being just like him. This isn't a low mark. Being a Christian shouldn't have a low mark as your goal. Ladies, I don't think you should have a low mark as your goal. Gentlemen, I don't think it should be a low mark for your goal. The world constantly wants underachievers. That's what they want. They want underachievers. Because that way they feel better when they do achieve. While it's okay if you fail... You know, I was always taught it's not okay to fail. Learn from your mistakes and do it right. Learn from your mistakes. Get it right. You don't have to stay a failure. The world goes, oh, here, you're a failure, but let me, let me move you on and help you out. That's not the way it's supposed to work. Learn from your mistake and go ahead and reach for something greater. That's why Paul reminds you forgetting those things which are behind. What am I forgetting? I'm forgetting my past failures and my past successes. You ought to forget about those. Why? Because now I'm going to reach toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Because I'm reaching for something more because my success yesterday does not guarantee my success today. And so we strive for the masteries. We strive to do it right. We strive to do it well. And in this entire chapter, you find someone... Who is, a virtue, who is described as a virtuous woman. And you get looking through Ephesians chapter 5, and you know what you find? You find that the church is supposed to literally be that virtuous woman. And so as we look at this passage, we're going to do a little dual application. We're going to talk to the ladies this morning. But gentlemen, you're included as the church what we're supposed to live up to in our Christian walk who we're supposed to be, not just in a physical life, but in our spiritual walk with Him. And so this morning, we're going to preach on a virtuous bride. A virtuous bride. Father, I do thank You for the morning. I thank You for Your goodness to us. And Lord, You are so merciful. You are gracious to us. You love us. You meet our needs over and over again. And this morning, Father, I do need You desperately to be able to say what You want me to say today. I pray that I would say it well, and I would say it right, and that I wouldn't Father, say some things I shouldn't say or in a way that I shouldn't say them, but Father, that it would minister grace onto the hearers, that it would be salt and light, that it would be a help and an encouragement and a strengthening, Father, to encourage us to try and be just a little bit better today. Lord, we do pray that you would bless the moms that are here today, that you would strengthen them and help them and encourage them. And Father, many of them, if not all of them, are doing some great things.
And Father, maybe you'll just touch their heart in some ways that they could go a little bit farther. But Father, I do pray that you would give me wisdom as I speak. Lord, we do pray if someone here is lost without Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray that they would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ alone and they'd be saved from all of their transgressions and they'd spend eternity in heaven. But Father, I do pray you would bless our day. Come back soon, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here he is. He's going to talk about the virtuous woman. Her price is far above rubies. And he says this in verse number 11. Number one, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. Uh, she's trustworthy. She's trustworthy. Uh, you realize that uh, the Lord ought to be able to trust you. Gentlemen, uh, I'm going to give you a moment here. Uh, don't you want your wife to be trustworthy? Shouldn't it be the case where you could, you know, go ahead and you could take her phone and you can look at it just like she should look at yours? All right. Uh, don't you think it ought to be where you could listen in on any conversation she has and it really doesn't, doesn't change what she says or what she does? Shouldn't it be, gentlemen, don't you want it to be that way? Where she can listen to you and you can listen to her and it won't make either difference. You won't change your speech just because of who's listening. Don't, don't you think it's trust, she ought to be trustworthy to go ahead and you hand her the credit card and it makes no difference? You trust she'll be okay with it? Sad reality is sometimes the wives can't trust us, gentlemen. Walk, walk into Home Depot and we're in trouble. <laughs> I like my Milwaukee tools a little too much. That's all I'm saying, all right? I know. And can she be trusted? I would hope so. Ladies, I hope you're somebody your husband can trust in. I hope you're somebody that people trust in you and, and your friends, your family, people that know you, they can trust that what you say is the truth and what you're going to do is the truth. That when they tell you something, that you go ahead and be honest with them. You can trust them. You can trust them that uh, when they say some things or they do some things, uh, that you know what, uh, he has no need of spoil. You're not going to spoil all the things that he tells you or does. By the way, you know what part of that is? Ladies, your husbands do stupid things. Say, so how do you know that? I do stupid things. And I know, gentlemen, we do stupid things. We say stupid things. We do stupid things. You know what the wife ought to be able to do? Very similar to what the Lord does. He ought to be able to trust that she won't spoil it to all of her friends. And gossip about the things her husband has failed her in. That'll get to something here in just a moment. That happens often. Well, he mistreated me and he did this and he did that. and Okay. Well, you know what that makes her do? Start looking over her husband and saying how bad he is. And now everybody's beating on their husband. <laughs> the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. You realize that in John chapter 10 and verse 10 that uh, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Christian, let's shift over to all of us. <laughs> Can the Lord trust you to not let the devil steal, kill, and destroy the things in your life? He's looking to spoil it. 
He's looking to go ahead and take the truth away from you. He's looking to go ahead and take your testimony away from you. He's going ahead and trying to get you into idolatry and all the other things. By the way, idolatry is spiritual adultery. Can the Lord trust you not to go to idolatry? Can the Lord trust you that your love will be the first love that he gave you all the way there in Revelation? Thou hast left thy first love. Is it going to be that you're going to be able to be trustworthy with what he's given you? Can he trust you with the word of God? Can he trust you with your testimony? Can he trust that you'll do what he asked you to do? Can he trust you? Can he trust you with the finances he gives you? Can he trust you with the family that he's given you? Can he trust you with the church that you're a part of and he's given you? Can he trust you? I think of Job. You talk about, I think Job is the one, you know, outside of Jesus Christ, I think he's the one man God put all the trust in. I think, I think Job got more trust from God than anybody else. Now, I could be wrong. He could, there could be somebody, you might be able to come up with a better one. But boy, he's the one person we know God had a showdown with the devil and he put everything on Job. And he didn't do it once, he did it twice. That's crazy. And one of the most incredible verses in the entire Bible is that in all this, Job sinned not with his lips nor charged God foolishly. We are awfully quick to not be very trustworthy. Could the Lord do what he did to, you, did to Job for you? And just slide all those chips over and say, that's my guy. That's, that's the, I can trust them. If nobody, I can't send anybody else, I can send them. They will get the job done. I trust them. I trust them with my name. I trust them with my finances. I trust them with my words. I trust them with everything that I have, I could trust them with. Isn't that what it was for Joseph and Potiphar's house? Isn't that what it was like for Joseph when he got into the prison? Didn't matter what happened, Joseph was trustworthy. What to God, we were that trustworthy. No need of spoil. He doesn't even worry about anybody spoiling any of his stuff because his wife is trustworthy. She's not going to ruin it. She's not wasting it. She's not Solomon just making a steps and up to a throne and just covering everything in gold and acting like everything's great. <laughs> she won't spoil the wisdom that she has and she won't spoil all those other things. Would, it, would to God it be said of the church that we weren't untrustworthy, that the Lord could trust us. You realize he has entrusted us with, number one, he's entrusted us with the word of God. And he has entrusted us with the task of winning every soul on the planet to him if we can do it. That's what he's given us. Are you trustworthy? I'm tired of this point. Everybody, everybody's sufficient on this point. I don't really want to talk about this anymore. Why? I don't feel very trustworthy. I feel like I'm failing already. Verse number 12. I don't like this one either, in case you're wondering. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She treats him well. 
Not only is she trustworthy, she treats him well. Ladies, I understand. <laughs> As a man, I understand. We don't treat you well all the time. We lose our temper. We have a bad day at work. We come home. We're, we're riled up. We're whatever, right? Maybe that's not your husband. That's me. I'll tell you that. Frustrated and get short and get short with the family and you get short gentlemen, right? That's what we do. We come home. And uh, you know what I find? Ephesians chapter 5, you get to that chapter and the reference to you is wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That little last phrase right there, ladies, as unto the Lord. Now, this is where we don't like this part. And gentlemen, we ought to love our wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, right? Now, gentlemen, it doesn't matter if they're submitting or not. Doesn't matter. Your command is to love them. Whether you feel like it's a brawling woman in a white house and you want to go climb up on the, on the corner of the rooftop, all right? Whether it's a continual dropping on a very rainy day, gentlemen, it is not our problem at that point to not love them. Our job is to love them. You say, why? Because if you want your relationship with the Lord to be right, that's what it's conditional on. If you love the Lord, then you'll love your wife. <laughs> Ladies, sadly, the same is for you. Just because he doesn't love you and just because he didn't treat you well that day, just because he came home in a mood, just because he's frustrated because everything's breaking, <laughs> just because he's just tired and he's not, he, and he's just being him. So what do you do? You submit anyways. You say, why? Because it's on to the Lord. Because if you want your relationship with the Lord to be good, you know what you have to do? You have to obey him and he told you to submit. Say, I don't like that. Nobody likes that. I want you to know the husband doesn't like it when, he, when he's frustrated and you don't submit and then he doesn't feel like he should have to love you and he doesn't like that side either. Neither one of us likes our side on that because we're often very selfish. We're very much selfish. You know why you ought to treat your husband well, ladies? Even when they're not doing well? Because he asked you to. Because the Lord asked you to do him good and not evil all the days of life. By the way, uh, both of these sides, it's real easy for them to do their job when the other side does theirs. You know what I find, though? I find that people are so stubborn and so prideful that they refuse to do their part even though they know it would help the other person do theirs. Well, I won't, I won't be the first one to break. <laughs> Well, if they would, I would. Well, why don't you do it so they'd do it? Because well, you don't want to be humble. Gentlemen, you don't want to lead your home, so you don't do it right. Gentlemen, you don't do your job, so it doesn't make it easy for them to do theirs. Do your job, it'll be easy for them to do theirs. Say, so you don't know the wife I have. Maybe she'd be more virtuous if you were better. I thought this was a Mother's Day message. Help them to be a good mom. Gentlemen, help them to be good. Make their job easier. 
I know you love it that they make your job easier because often they do. But maybe you could make their job a little easier. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. You know what's strange? Zechariah chapter 13 and verse number 6, Jesus Christ, the statement of Jesus Christ, the prophetic utterance is that he was wounded in the house of his friends. Oof. How do you treat the Lord? Gentlemen, I know you want your wives to treat you well and take care of you and bring you your slippers and a sandwich. How do you treat the Lord? Is he always the last thing on your mind when he should be the first thing? Does he always seem to be the one that gets left behind when you're about your day? Does he always seem to be the one that you and I could leave off and pick up later and not really worry about it? Is he the one that you go ahead and mistreat because he's closest to you so you can go ahead and mistreat him and you know he'll forgive you? Getting quieter. Do him good and not evil all the days of her life. The church ought to be good to their Savior. We ought to be striving to do him good, actively doing good and not evil. How many times do you undermine what God's trying to do? By doing it your way instead of his way. How many times do you go out of your way to be disobedient so that you don't have to fall under what he wants you to fall under? Why is it that you can go ahead and do whatever it is you want to do instead of doing him good? If you're going to be a virtuous church, if you're going to be a virtuous church member, you ought to be willing to treat him well. You say, are we going to get to anything good? Happy Mother's Day. Verse 13, let's try, all right? Let's try to climb up out of this valley, all right? Verse 13, she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships and bringeth, she bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. For her, uh, her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold to the staff. She stretcheth her hand, uh, out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh her, herself coverings of tapestry, her clothing is silk and purple. Uh, not only does she, is she trusted, not only is she treating him well, she toils for him. There's work to be done. There's some toil. Uh, you don't think any of that stuff takes work? That all looks like work. <laughs> she's researching. She's, she's trying to figure out where she can get the right things. She's going ahead and planning it out. She's choosing what she wants. She considers it. She weighs the options. 
she goes ahead and then does what she needs to do. She, you realize she plant, she buys a, vi, a, fin, a field and plants a vineyard. Those are two different things. She didn't buy a vineyard. She bought a field and made it into a vineyard. How about you? That sounds like work to me. That sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like a lot of work. I was just I was just taking a walk in the neighborhood there in town and uh, my mom often walks the neighborhood as well. Uh, and I was walking with Uriah. I don't know what day that Friday. I had a, no, Thursday. It had to be Thursday. And uh, mom bought that house down the road from us. And uh, the garden all, all overgrown, looking terrible, right? And uh, one of the neighbors, actually, she had talked to my mom. And she said, you know, people looked at that house. They didn't want to buy it because the gardens were so gross. They were so overgrown and they were terrible. And they were. They looked awful. If you saw the house when she bought it, they were awful. Go drive by there now. Doesn't look awful now. Part of that's because the Auckmoody's go ahead and take care of the lawn, but she takes care of the gardens. She's ripping plants out and she's ripping things up and tearing them apart and going ahead and fixing it to make it look nice. The lady a couple houses down from me, she said it took me almost three years to get my garden fixed in this house after we bought it. She said it took your mom about the same. That's just a flower garden. I'm not talking about a vineyard. <laughs> I'm talking about, I mean, like a flower garden in front of your house. It's not, not a field. Two years to go ahead and get that thing to actually looking good? Two to three years? How long do you think it takes to get a vineyard? <laughs> I'm just trying to put in perspective the idea of work right here. This isn't, this isn't, oh, she goes ahead and she gets something done in five minutes and then goes sits down on the couch and relaxes all day. She's doing some work. She's toiling. This isn't just, oh, hey, uh, you know, a little fly-by-night. I'm going to do absolutely nothing, basically. She makes sure her house is clothed. She takes care of the needy. She helps out with all sorts of ministry and work and helps and goes ahead and makes sure that everybody is fed and taken care of. So, I'm just going to say it, <laughs> ladies, this is really your job description right here. If you want a job description for the role of the wife and the role of the mother, this is it right here. The work that needs to be done is early mornings and late nights. Early mornings and late nights. <laughs> To make sure everybody else is taken care of. You say, why would I do that? Why would I do that? Because you want to make sure everybody else is taken care of. You know what part of this is all about? It's a labor of love. You don't do this much work if you don't love what you're doing. You know what I find? I find most mothers... Most moms, you know what they want? They want their family to succeed, so they will gladly work to make it happen. They'll make sure that the right clothes are taken care of. They'll make sure that there's food. They'll make sure that everything is taken care of. 
And if they need to get some other work done on top of it, they'll do it. It amazes me how much you ladies can get done in a day. <laughs> some days I get home and all I've had are like a million and one phone calls and I've been all over the place and my brain can't even function because I can't get anything done, right? We've all been there, I hope. I'm not the only one, right? And you're like, I don't even know, what did I even do today, right? And then the wife, my wife even, says things like, oh, I didn't get much done. And you look around and you're like, Okay, so I am a real underachiever. Okay, you didn't get much done. I evidently got nothing done. Um, right? I know I'm not the only guy that feels that way. You got home and you went, oh, everything's done and I don't actually have to do anything today. I don't even, I don't even have to help. I don't even know what I'm supposed to help with. They multitask, right, gentlemen? You and I, as soon as we get a second task, we don't know which task we're supposed to do or what we're even doing, right? We're like, whoa, 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 easy, easy. Easy. It's <laughs> the way the Lord designed it. I know some, some men that can go ahead and they can multitask. And I know some ladies that can't, all right? I know. They're out there. But the vast majority, that's the way it works. And they will, they will bury themselves into the ground with work to go ahead and make sure the family is taken care of. They toil. They work hard. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> We're going to jump in on board, all right? You already know where I'm going. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49, right? Jesus Christ, even as a child, his answer was, not wist ye not that I must be about my father's business. It is not difficult to figure out that you and I as Christians ought to spend out, uh, getting up early and having some late nights. I'm going to say that again. Christian, Getting up early and having some late nights ought to be normal. Some folks, and I, I pause to say it, but some folks didn't come out to the meetings this past week because they felt like it would go too late. That's not a good excuse. Why? Because part of our work is worshiping Him and being here. He said, well, i got to get up early. I know. I know. Doesn't change it. There are certain things that don't change just because. He didn't say, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, Unless you've got to get up early tomorrow. There's no caveat in that verse. Now, I understand work, and I understand if you were working during the, at that time and you can't be here. I understand those things. That's not what I'm talking about. I, I don't mean any of that. You know what I mean. 
You can try to take offense, but you know what I mean, and you know that the Bible said it. We decide when we're going to show up to Sunday school based upon how we feel today. We decide if we're going to listen to the broadcast or show up to the church. We decide based upon how we feel as opposed to doing the work he told you to do. We decide when we want to give out a gospel track instead of being laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. 1 Corinthians 13, or first, chapter 3. We decide when we're going to work for him and when we're not going to work for him. You know the virtuous woman? All of her work is about her family. You look down that path, all of her work is about family and taking care of the needs of others. Isn't that a Christian's life? It's all about the family and it's all about the needs of others. We decide when we're going to go ahead and look around at the fields for their white already on the harvest. And sad statement is, the laborers are few. Why? Because a virtuous woman, who can find? A virtuous church member, who can find? To be able to go. That's the comparative. I don't think I'm stretching that comparative. And I'm not saying that I'm virtuous. I'm saying I wish I was. I'm saying I wish I was a better witness. I wish I was a better Bible reader. I wish I was a better prayer. I wish I was better. I wish at the end of the day, you know what I knew? I knew that I was like David. David's epitaph, when he gets done with his life, you know what the Lord said about him? He said he served his generation and fell on sleep. Could it be that at the end of your life, the Lord said that you served him in this generation and had nothing left to give and just fell on sleep? You know what I picture in my head? You know that long day and you're so exhausted and you have nothing left and you get up to your room and you walk in and you're just face plant on the bed, right? That's what I picture with David right there. Nothing left to give to this generation. I'm done. Boom. Nothing left to give. You know, it's amazing the Lord didn't have anything left to give. But you and I often leave things in the tank to go ahead and try again later. I'll do that later. I'll take care of that later. I don't need to do that now. We start turning into people who are lost, who want to put it off to the last hour. Well, the truth is, he's asking you to do it now. He's asking the lost man to do it now. Christian, he's asking you now. Now, would you work for me now? The labor is now. So we don't have much to do. I don't know what world you're living in. You look around at this world, this world is completely insane and in dire need of Jesus Christ here in America. 
and you can't find somebody to help and somebody to work on and somebody to go ahead and get a gospel track to and someone to give a witness to and someone to talk to and someone to work for. You can't go ahead and, uh, ladies, you know, you know what you have. You have your reason. I want to say this. Uh, I got to move on. But uh, you realize her statement is uh, she doesn't worry about the snow, right? Verse 21, she's not afraid of the snow for her, house, uh, for her household. For all household are clothed with scarlet. You know what she's not worried about? She's not worried about protecting her children from the cold. Christian, your family ought to be protected from the cold. From being like the rest of the world. They ought to be protected. You ought to not have to worry about that. You ought to protect them. Anyway. I'm going to keep going because I don't like any of this message either. All right. Proverbs 31, verse number 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. Whew. Look at verse number 26. Well, verse number 25. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Her talk. Her talk is all about him. Her husband is known in the gates. You know, the sad reality is most people are known because of their bad deeds. Well, if she's doing him good and not evil all the days of her life, then she's not talking bad about her husband, so he's not known at the gate as the terrible man that married so-and-so. He must be known well. He's known well in the gates because she talks well of him. Now, I know it's part of our work, but truly, how well do people know our Savior? What do they know of him? Ladies, what do people know about your husband? Do you talk about him? Do you talk well of him? Or do all your friends only know how terrible he is and the times that he's let you down? Now, I know it's much easier for the Christian to talk great about God. He's never failed. He's never left us comfortless. He's never left us nor forsaken us. He always has the right answer. He always meets our needs. He is literally altogether lovely. <laughs> and he is wonderful. Now I know, ladies, your husband has never reached that. <laughs> never. But you did marry him, didn't you? <laughs> there must have been something in there you liked. Maybe you ought to remember those things instead of remembering all the things he's failed you in. Maybe you remember how good he was. Maybe that'll help him get back to what he was and how he used to treat you. 
Doesn't give him an excuse that he changed. Boy, it'll help him. It'll help him to come back. Maybe be a good husband again. He's a lousy one. You might help him get back to being a good one. Tell you it'll be a whole lot better than driving him away. You know, the Lord reminds us in Romans chapter 10, how shall they hear without a preacher? You know, the lost world knows about Jesus Christ. Virtually nothing. Virtually nothing. And there's enough people out there dumping whatever weird convoluted garbage into YouTube and Facebook and whatever other crazy applications everybody's got now. I don't even know. There's enough false information about him. So in their lives, you know what they need? They don't need some weird YouTube person all the way over there to go and tell them. You know what they need? They need their friends and loved ones. Isn't that what he said to that maniac of Gadara? Go tell thy friends and thy loved ones what great things the Lord hath done for thee. Who knows how great the Lord is other than a Christian? If you're saved in here, you know how great he is. And you know great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So we ought to be able to do? Praise him. You find a new opportunity, go ahead and praise him. You find an old one that you just got reminded of. Go ahead and praise him. <laughs> hey, I remember when. Okay, yeah. Oh, it was 20 years ago. I know, but he still does that kind of thing today because he just did this. <laughs> and remind you, you know, one of the ma most amazing things about, you know, ladies, they, they remember everything they need to remember. Gentlemen, that works for us and against us. Amen. They remember everything that they need to remember, and some of it is things we wish they could just forget about, all right? You know what's amazing? Uh, you do something right, and it reminds them of something way back there, right? Sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. We hope to do the good ones, right? And we remind them, and they, and they think back, and they're like, oh, man, he remembered, and he remembered all these things back here, and he did it again, and it's so, and they just, they're like, it's wonderful, Right? I hope. Right? Ready? The Lord does something great for you right here. You know what it normally should do? Whew. Remind you how great he's been back there. He answered me here. Hey, look, he answered me back there. Hey, I remember when. And suddenly all those great remembrances ought to start coming back. And you get to brag about him all over again on the things that he has already done and you've already thanked him for and he's already been amazing and you've already praised him. But you know what he deserves? He deserves to be praised again because he showed up again so you can praise him here and you can remember all the times he's been great. Because he deserves praise for all those all over again. Whew. Let's finish this up. Verse number 28. Verse number 28. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. 
Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. You got her trustworthiness. You've got the way she treats him. You've got her toils. You've got her talk. And right here is what she gets in return. She gets the truth of others. You look at what everybody says, and everything they say is amazing. I'm going to say this, gentlemen, you ought to praise your wife. Children, you ought to thank your parents, especially your mom today. Ought to happen. You ought to thank them for being good to you. You say, well, they haven't been very good. I don't really like them. <laughs> You're still breathing. You're still eating. And you still got a place to sleep. If you didn't have anything more than that, they're still taking good care of you. Say, yeah, but I don't have what doesn't matter. None of that matters. Well, you know, they need to buy me a cell phone. They don't need to do anything. In fact, if they bought you one, they may want to snap it in half, and they should. Hit it with a hammer. Burn it in a fire. I don't care. Some of those things need to happen. Say, what, what do you mean? I, I mean this. If you are unwilling to submit to what your parents have given you and to use it the way they told you to use it, then you don't deserve it. And if they decide you shouldn't have had it in the first place, that's their decision. You know what your answer is? Yes, sir. <laughs> so I don't like that answer. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. By the way, uh, I know I hadn't really beat up on the children here today, but let's do that. Um, I don't want to miss anybody. <laughs> Not literally beat, you know, verbal abuse right here. Uh, you say, what are we doing? Children, just like your parents are supposed to do the lead and guide and do what they're supposed to do, just like the husband is supposed to love his wife because it, it helps his relationship with the Lord, it's about his relationship with the Lord. Just like your mom, her relationship with the Lord is affected by her submission to the husband, your relationship with the Lord is automatically affected by how you treat your parents. Automatically. In fact, it is so important to God that he mentions it repeatedly throughout the law, but he mentions it under grace in Ephesians chapter 6 and so on. And he keeps the conditional promise that you had all the way back in the law that it may go well with thee and that thy days may be long upon the earth. If you'd like your life shortened, children, continuously disobey your parents, and a child of rebellion, God will put them under judgment.
Say, well, my mom doesn't do all those great things all the time. Doesn't matter. You ought to praise her anyways. Find a way to thank her anyways. You may not have the best mom in the world, but you got a mom. You got a mom. And you ought to thank her. You ought to praise her. Gentlemen, you ought to praise her. You ought to thank her. She deserves it. She puts up with you. If nothing else, she puts up with you. And then she puts up with your kids. <laughs> you get here, I got to be done. I think I'm preaching long, but I don't know. Uh, you know what he says about us, Christian? You know what he wants to do? Well done, thou good and faithful servant, right? Isn't that what every Christian ought to hear the time they step in front of a great white, uh, of the, uh, the throne of Judge the seat of Christ. Thanks, preacher. Help me out. I was about to name every throne before I got to the judgment seat of Christ, so I figured I'd better uh, go ahead and look over. And uh, we step in front of the judgment seat of Christ. You know what we want to hear? That's what we want to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He wants to reward us. He wants to brag about us. He wants to say the great things we've done for him for all of eternity. You and I get to know if we were great to him. That is unbelievable that God would praise you if you'd be willing to serve him. If you'd be willing to be virtuous, if you'd be willing to do what he asked you to do, he has rewards. We could go through them. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you've got the crowns all, all throughout. Uh, he goes ahead and uh, he reminds us in Hebrews chapter 6 that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. He's not going to forget how good you've been. He's not going to forget the things you've gone through and the troubles and the trials and the toil that you've put in. He's not going to forget that you've talked well of him. He's not going to forget that you've gone ahead and been trustworthy with everything that he's given you. He's not worried about spoil with you. You know what he wants to do? He wants to just go ahead and he understands how you've treated him and he wants to go ahead and treat you beyond measure. I think one of the most amazing things that God does for us is save us for all of eternity and then give us rewards. Why would you even reward? I don't know. I'm not worthy of any type of a reward. You forgave me of all of my sins. You gave me heaven for all of eternity. You've given me a comforter and a peace in this life that nobody else has. You've given me an instruction book to tell me how to do all of it. And you're rewarding me for what? <laughs> for what? You ever sit there and think we're unprofitable services and have done that, which is our duty to do? We're just a bunch of unprofitable servants. The Lord says, yeah, but I want to reward my servants. There's going to come a day when you and I stand before him and you know what he's going to have an opportunity to do? He's going to have the opportunity to praise you for doing something for him. Wouldn't it be amazing, wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing to make his job nice and easy and just do what you're supposed to do? Well, ladies, happy Mother's Day. Not a normal Mother's Day message, but I hope it was a help. I hope it was a help to you. I hope at least that I beat up your husbands enough for you. All right? I hope I did a little something there for you. 
But the truth is, you look down that list, and I know, I know how it is. I know how it is in this respect. I can be pretty hard on me. I'll get done, I'll walk down, I'll go to the back. People will tell me it was great, it was wonderful, thank you, all those things. You know what I'm doing in my head? All the things I shouldn't have said or all the things I should have said and all the things I didn't do right today. I'll do that in the back. Any preacher worth anything does that in the back, I think. And goes, I'm lousy, I'm no good. Praise the Lord to use anything that I, I could ever have done for him. And ladies, I know you look down this list, and I did a whole lot of hard preaching this morning, and I know. But ladies, look down that list and be realistic now. None of us get everything right. Some of you have done a great job. Many of you have done a great job. And you've got small things to fix. And you look over that list, and it's not as bad as you thought it was. Because you've been doing a great job so far. Keep going. Keep trying. None of us are Jesus Christ. We hadn't made it. Christian, I know I beat us all up. And we're all terrible Christians now. All right, I get it. But there's some things you've been doing right. Keep doing the right things. And start moving toward the right things in those areas where we aren't keeping up with. And we aren't doing what we ought to do. So that the Lord can, at the end of the day, look down at us and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to sing an invitation to him here in just a moment. But what I want to say first is this. I've been talking to saved people this morning. People who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I don't know if anybody here is lost. I have no clue. Uh, but you do. You know whether you know for sure 100% you're going to spend eternity in heaven. If you can't say yes to that question of where am I going to spend eternity, if you can't say yes, heaven, 100%, we would love to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you have eternal life. You can know that your sins are forgiven forever and you can have eternity in heaven forever, guaranteed. If you'd be willing to come, we'd gladly open up a Bible, men, with men and boys and a, a lady with ladies and girls and we'll open up a Bible and we'll show you out of the Bible how you can know your sins are forgiven forever. Christian, if you're in here, maybe you need to take some time, talk with him, thank him, or just tell him you're sorry because you had not been doing some things you ought to do. We're going to have a word of prayer and we're going to Sing. Lord's dealing with you. Praise the Lord. He likes to deal with us. It's a blessing to have God talk to you. Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for all the moms in here this morning. I pray that this was a blessing to them. I know it was rough. But Father, I do pray it was a help. Lord, once again, we pray you'd get the praise, the honor, and the glory this day in Jesus' name. Amen.